Welcome to Manage Tools. Manage Tools Middleman Test, Part 1. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. How can I tell when one of my directs goes too far in disagreeing? What should I do when my directs refuse a reasonable request? What are the limits of my authority? If you want answers to these questions and more, keep on listening. If you enjoy our guidance about the management trinity, getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, pushing work down, and our tools are helpful, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. The ideal way to learn about implementing them is to come to one of our effective manager conferences. One day, we cover all of the major topics. You practice feedback, you practice coaching, you practice delegation. I can't tell you the number of times people have said to us, wow, I thought I understood the tools. And then when I had to practice, I realized I've taken it to another level. Come to the website, check out our conference schedule, see us all over the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. See you there. I've never had a direct that um, refuses or disagrees with a reasonable request. Never happened to me. Never. Well, I know you're joking. I can tell by your tone. But what's funny is I haven't. You haven't? Okay. You brook no disagreement. No. I mean, maybe that. Maybe that's true. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I, I mean, you've actually had a direct say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not all. I don't, well, I... I it sounds like I'm saying, like, yeah, all the time. No, not all the time. I had it, I had it once. Right. And that person no, no longer worked for me some, yeah. you know, several Did months you later. you invoke the OZAN executive rule? Don't make me come down there and do your job for you. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, uh, same. Yeah, same person, yeah. by the way. Okay. En- enough rambling. We got we to gotta hop our high Ds. We got to get right to the point. Folks, sometimes directs refuse or resist reasonable requests. And and by the way, we're going to come back to reasonable. And uh, this is particularly true of frontline managers. When you're a frontline manager, you're, it's normal. If you're struggling right now with the limits of your power, you know, when do you invoke role power? How much authority do you have? Can you use relationship power? Should you allow a direct to, to just say no and, and then give someone else their work? And the the frontline managers don't know. And so the fact that you don't know, you're not alone. And most frontline managers greatly underestimate their ability to politely insist with their directs. Right. And and just to be clear, though, I just want to make sure, because maybe our rambling at the beginning misled folks, we're not talking about your directs can never disagree with you, right? Oh, no, yeah. We're talking about refusing or disagreeing to comply with the request to do something. If you have an idea and a direct disagrees with you and you have a conversation about it, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not what we're talking about. I just want to be... Yeah, if we're trying to figure out how to solve a particular project, we're trying to figure out how to structure a project. Do we go get a designer early or do we wait until we fleshed out some some rough ideas, uh, does it, you know, and how much will that cost and so on. And let's say I'm the boss or Mike's the boss and Mike is thinking, I'd like to wait. We'll save a little money by bringing the designer in later. But, uh, you know, we, we can also benefit by giving them some fleshed out ideas. And, and I'm Mike's direct. And I say, no, I, I tell you, boss, I disagree. I think, I, I think we're wrong here. I think the sooner the designer gets in, the more they know, the more they hear, the better they'll understand and so on. So far, so good. So far, so yeah. good. So, so Mike says back to me, um, you know, I, I get that, but I'm not sure in my experience. And, you know, I don't know the designers are all that helpful. And if they sit through five or six days over the course of the next month of meetings with us, we're going to be paying them. And I'm not sure that will necessarily help them. 
And so Mike says, so I think we're going to wait until, you know, phase 1A or 1, 1B, not phase 1A. Phase 1A will be brainstorming internally. Right. You made a decision. You made a decision. I made a decision. No, you made a decision. Yeah. And I say back, I say, I think you're wrong here, boss. I think, you know, you really got to be careful. I think designers should take over at the end, and right? This is normal, guys. That is not disagreeing with your boss. That is the healthy debate and exchange of ideas. And we hope that one does it nicely. Now, of course, there's always the case of the high D who's like saying, you're being an idiot, boss. This is wrong. It's stupid. You'll never work. But then hopefully that high D is self-aware enough and gets over themselves. But the problem is when Mike says, nope, that's what we're going to do. I appreciate your input, Mark. Thank you. Good idea. But we want to go ahead and wait. It'll save us a little bit of money and money's tight and so on. And then I say, well, if that's the case, I'm not going to be involved in the early thing. That's a different story. There is healthy debate, and then there are decisions. And when decisions are made, uh, and let's assume that this is a case where the decision would naturally be made by the manager. Once the decision is made, an earlier disagreement is completely appropriate, but not once we start implementing. And decisions are both choices about what to do and actually taking action. And so once the decision is made, what we call it is murder and the unchosen alternative. And we actually have a podcast called Professional Subordination where we talk about everything. So what we're talking about here is not that natural disagreement, which is actually healthy and good. What we're talking about is a direct who refuses a reasonable request for them to take an action, for them to finish a project, for them to edit a spreadsheet, for them to do an analysis of some code, for them to do a special set of quality assurance on uh, some work that's been done, uh, for them to take a meeting with a vendor that's been struggling, for them to go vet vendors, maybe. I'm, I'm just throwing ideas out there. Hey, I say to Mike, who's my direct in this case, I say, Mike, uh, I need you to do X. Um, you're the smartest guy on this and da 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 da, da. And Mike says back, no, I, I can't do that. I said, well, why? Well, I'm really busy. Okay, now, I, I appreciate that, and we're all really busy, and this has to be done, and it has to be done in the next five days, and maybe I would say, and my boss says it's got to be done in the next five days, and Mike then says back, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I, you know, I can't, I can't get all my work done and get that done, so I'm not going to do it. Right. And just, and just to, to save 1% of the emails we're going to get, folks, <laughs> listen to what Mark said, reasonable request. Things that are not included in reasonable are unethical or unlawful. Those, yeah. Right? So we're not talking about those questions. Yeah, we try. We assume that everybody who comes to our show is ethical, wants to learn more about being a professional and being effective. But you're an ethical person. Uh, if you're making unreasonable requests, like go get my dry cleaning, or something like that, then no, that's not reasonable. But we'll also talk about what reasonable is in this case. Okay. So look, outline. Never tolerate from your directs that which you would not visit upon your boss. That's the, that's the manager tools, middleman test. The second thing, avoid public confrontations or feedback. A lot of times resistance happens in public and directs, we, I've interviewed them, say, it's better for me to argue in public because my boss can't really disagree with me without making it a problem. Then the third thing is, you address the disagreement in private with either feedback or insisting, and insisting means invoking some royal power. Okay, so let's start with never tolerate. And for the record, I would say I've gotten this question in the last 10 years 200 times, which is a lot. I'm which surprised. is a lot. Virtually okay. every conference I'm ever at, 
and it's 80% of the time, if not higher, a frontline manager that says, well, my one direct doesn't want to do this or that or the other thing. <laughs> and then your head spins around and like. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it used to probably. It doesn't anymore. And the reason why is because if you've been a director and you've been a manager, once you're a director, it's more clear the ladder that happens and your relative role compared to your directs and to your boss that if a manager of mine came to me and said, I've asked my direct to do X, and there's no question that's a reasonable request, and he won't do it. If I were the director, you know, if I were in a bad mood, I might say, well, send in me. <laughs> um, but it would be a rookie mistake. A, a manager that came to a director and says, he, he, he just won't do it. He resists. He refuses. The director would just say, you're kidding me. Don't make, Again, don't make me come down there and do your job for you. And here's the way to think about it. If you wouldn't resist or refuse or choose not to comply to your own boss in a roughly similar situation, your direct's position is untenable and it's reasonable for you to say, to insist by saying, I've made a reasonable request. It's not something you can refuse. Now, guys, to be clear, manager tools for those of you are just joining us, We've got 12 years of podcasts out there. If you magically were able to listen to all of them, you'd hear us talk openly about how there are three types of influence or authority or power in organizations, relationship power, expertise power, and role power. We do not believe that role power needs to be invoked very often at all. We're saying less than 5% of the time, 85 to 90% of your value as a manager is in relationship power, is in the the authority that comes from mutual trust, okay? And there's also some expertise power in there as well if you're the smartest person in the room and everybody comes and asks you for guidance, okay? And then they follow your guidance. It's not enough that you think you're smart. Everybody else has to think they're you're smart enough to do what you tell them to do. So this is a case where the refusal of a reasonable request could lead to the insistence of something being done, essentially invoking role power to make it happen. We don't say this very often. So if this is your first cast, don't overreact and go, oh my God, these guys are pushing people around. That said, I will tell you that the, the theme in the corporate world today, in the middle of the second decade of the 21st century, is that individuals can pretty much do whatever they want. That you know, you can wear what you want to work and say what you want at work and so on. This is generally not true. And that's not because Mike and I are both over 50, um, but rather because organizational theory and organizational life have certain principles and norms that are not well taught. They weren't well taught when Mike and I were going through organizations as well, but without them, things begin to break down. So again, when you think about it, you're the middleman between your boss and your direct. That's why we call this the middleman test. Managers too often forget that they're the middleman. And when managers are about ask us and they say, well, I've got a recalcitrant wreck. I've got a, somebody who's resisting or refusing or dragging their feet or something. We ask them. It's real simple. I would say, well, would you ever do this to your boss? And we get gasps. We get horrified cries of, oh, dear gosh, no, no, I would never do that. No, oh, no, this person is clearly wrong. And I said, well, if they're clearly wrong, why aren't you just telling them, no, I'm insisting you need to do that. And ultimately, there'll be consequences if you don't. And he or she says, oh, well, it's not right. My boss could reasonably ask this of me. And of course, I'd agree. And in some cases, the light dawns that 
if a direct refused something reasonable from the boss, if that works at one level of the organization, that one should not do that, then perhaps it works at every level. But if you're a frontline manager, you've not been steeped in it. You haven't had a chance to get your feet under you. You don't feel completely confident about the parameters and limits of your authority and your relationships and so on. And far too many of us fail to understand, and for some people it's just a, a, an unwillingness, that our feelings as directs about our boss, so if I'm a manager, me thinking about Mike, if he's my director, our feelings about our boss are similar to our own direct feelings about us. And the way I often say that at conferences is I say, okay, um, let's think of it this way. Raise your hand if you think your directs tell you everything. And there's always a smattering. Maybe it's one, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 20% of the audience. Because, oh no, my me and my directs, we have a great relationship. They trust me. It's totally open. Now, raise your hand if you tell your boss everything. And well, of course, immediately people laugh and they say, well, of course I wouldn't do that. I, I said, do you really think that you're the one manager in the world who gets total openness, trust, and complete candor from your directs, but you're politically smarter than them so that you know you can't tell your boss everything? And actually, some of them then go forward and say yes. And, and then they realize, no, wait, wait. I think my directs are telling me everything, but in fact, I ought to realize if I'm smart enough to do that, to not do that with my boss, to hold things back from my boss, then I ought to assume that my directs are as smart as me relative to role power, and they're not telling me everything, or I have to admit publicly, my directs are stupid, and I, I need to tell them what to do and how to do it because I'm just so much better than them, which is an arrogance that would be which would not be useful in the long run. And look, we can have a long discussion about the psychiatric causes of this or what a therapist would say, but it really doesn't matter. What matters is the behavior. And if you wouldn't resist your boss from a reasonable request for him or her, it's reasonable to expect the same thing from your directs. Okay. Yeah, reasonable standard, I think. <laughs> yeah. So the point of the middleman test is you always have at the ready a yardstick for comparison about how our directs treat us. And that's how we treat our boss. And look, some managers then complain to us and they say, wait, Mark, that's not fair because as a manager to my boss, my director, there's a higher standard put on me than on individual contributors. And I am, am generally wiser to some degree or more knowledgeable about how the organization runs. And so therefore, I'd have an easier time to be able to agree with my boss. And of course, if I agree with my boss, or even if I'm questioning whether or not his or her request is reasonable to me, I have assets that I can deploy to solve that problem that would cause me to not have to do it myself or whatever, which is a ludicrous argument. But look, the idea that there's a higher standard put on you is true, but it's really not relevant. Basically, as I said before, any boss who makes any reasonable request of a direct, essentially in modern organizational structures, the direct is obligated to comply. Now look guys, I just use the word compliance. And if you've listened for a long time, you know compliance isn't what we want from our directs. We've said before regarding our delegation guidance, asking versus telling people what to do will more likely get you commitment Whereas if you tell people stuff, if you use role power, you're going to start to get only compliance. And commitment energy is a lot different than compliance energy. 
Right. We talk about that a lot at the Effective Manager Conference, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge part of our delegation model that we say, would you please take responsibility for this going forward? And people struggle with that. They're like, what if they say no? I said, well, that probably is a sign about how effective your relationship is with them. And managers really love at our conference um, practicing the feedback model, the coaching model, delegation model. That's right. And having scenarios thrown at them and getting their questions answered directly. Yeah. And struggling and struggling through them. Yeah. And then doing it and getting feedback and doing it and getting feedback. And pretty soon you're like, Oh, I can do this. Uh, I can do that. Yeah. The more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war is what we tell them. But look, when a direct resists or refuses us, the choice is not between whether they're going to be committed to this new thing or whether they're going to be compliant about the task. Now, if they resist or refuse, it's between compliance and non-compliance. It's between doing it and not doing it. If we have a choice, we want commitment. So we're going to ask and we're going to encourage. But in some things, in some situation, when the direct, for whatever reason, chooses to resist, We'd be happy to have compliance rather than non-compliance simply because we could have productivity problems sooner or later with directs who think, I get to refuse any work I don't want to do. So again, if we can't have commitment, we'll be satisfied in rare cases, rare cases, less than 1% of the time uh, with compliance versus non-compliance. Now, I promise we talked about reasonableness, okay? Here's the other part of the manager tools middleman test. What do we mean by reasonable? Think about the other side of you being in the middle. When you were a direct at this level, think about your direct when you were at their level, would you have considered this request that you're asking of your direct, would you have considered it reasonable if you were in the direct shoes? If you would have, or if you weren't have, if you didn't serve in that role, believe that you would have, then it is a reasonable request. Now, there are rare exceptions, one out of every 10,000 cases, where a manager is being unethical or unprofessional, and we'll talk about that, okay? There's an outlet for that, and we'll come to it, okay? But if you believe that you would not deny your boss asking you to do this, and if you think about yourself as your own direct when you were a direct if you served in that role, would I think this is reasonable? If both your answers to the question is, yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't resist, and I can see. That I think this is a reasonable request. Then that's the standard. We can't have rules that define every single possible scenario for every single possible boss and say this is what's reasonable and this is what's not. And if it's a reasonable request, a direct resisting or refusing is an unreasonable and, of course, certainly ineffective response. And I'll tell you this: go back to something I said earlier, uh, or alluded to earlier. This question that you're asking yourself also eliminates the potential really soft bigotry of a manager saying, well, at my level, we do this, but maybe people at their level can't handle it. Um, that's usually a sign that you're too arrogant to be a really effective counterparty in the relationship between you and your direct. Okay. So sometimes this happens in, in public. So yeah, it happens more often in public than it does in private uh, or, or it's a significant, it may only be 40%. I don't, I don't have any data, but, but my sense is it happens far more often in public. And I think directs believe that it gives them some cover. And in some cases, the direct is being immature and they want to show the boss up in front of their peers and they want to be perceived as powerful. Yeah. So they raise it. So how, so how does a manager respond? Give us some guidance on that. Cause this can be, this can be tough. Yeah, so, so it's actually easy. It's way easy. 
I like easy answers to tough situations. Yeah. If, if a direct is intemperate enough or unwise enough or disrespectful enough, and by the way, folks, I'm not suggesting that a disagreement between a boss and subordinate in a meeting is disrespectful. But a manager saying, hey, I need you to do X by next Thursday, and the direct saying, I'm not going to do that, that's disrespectful. Um, in the same way that if the direct says, I'm going to have trouble with that, the manager saying in the meeting, well, I don't care how much trouble it's going to be, you're going to darn well do it. That's also disrespectful. And it's partially about role power, but not really. It's just about human kindness. Okay, But, but if they resist or refuse you in public, you really have two problems. You have the resistance. And you have the venue. The resistance is a choice. The venue that they're resisting in is also a choice. But a vulgar mistake from your direct, a direct saying, well, no, I'm not going to do that. And then stupidly looking around the room and smirking about it, which doesn't always happen. Uh, it's probably an over-the-top response. But uh, just because your direct makes a vulgar mistake doesn't justify a public dressing down from you, period. Two wrongs don't make a right. And look. Let's go to the next natural thing, our guidance in Horstman's Law of Uncertainty. If you're a manager, particularly if you're a frontline manager, if you don't have a lot of managerial experience, if you don't know what the limits are of your, your authority or your ability to make things happen, when you're uncertain about what to do, remember, you don't have to have all the answers. And if you don't have to have all the answers as a manager, you're not, you don't, then you certainly don't have to have them all right now, meaning you don't have to confront the person who does that, okay? Bide your time. Address your direct later, privately. Avoid the blow-up. Avoid the escalation. If they have escalated, and then you trump them with your own escalation, right? The direct says, well, I'm not going to do that. And then you say, oh, yeah, you darn well are. And you need to get in line here and recognize who's the sheriff and so on. Or if you say something like, don't talk to me like that this is serious and you're out of line, sit down. If you do that, if they escalate and, and it is an escalation when they refuse, and then you escalate on top of that, you have now proven to them that verbal public escalation is a reasonable response to disagreement. What that means is if their ego is locked up in this discussion and they are arrogant, which means not self-confident, if they are arrogant enough to be thin-skinned and they're thin-skinned enough to essentially feel like, oh my gosh, I've walked the plank and now I have to jump kind of thing, they're going to escalate a second time. And then they stand up and say, well, you can't talk to me like that. Okay. When they escalate that second time, they're just following our lead. Yes, they started it. But how many times did you tell your mother or father they started it and that went over well? Right. This is what we worry about in terms of nuclear war, right? Which is some provocation, then a large response, a large response, right? Yeah, the, the problem in is, is that, that second escalation, and when you think about this, folks, this is, comes from a psychologist friend of mine, it's the second escalation in situations like this where people say stupid things they can't take back. So don't put your direct in this situation. Back away, keep your powder dry, fight another day, which are all euphemisms, and simply not respond or, or say politely, that's okay. We can talk later about that, okay? By the way, that feels powerful. Dressing down a direct, attacking them, uh, putting them in their place, that's not powerful. It's actually seen as weak um, by people who are self-confident and comfortable uh, in their own skins. 
do we have to keep a flat, a, you know, flat aspect? Do we, have, do we can we not show any ire or disagreement or at all? I wouldn't show any ire. Now, would it be okay to raise your eyebrows just a little bit when a direct publicly refuses? Yeah, it would be okay. It'd probably be more effective if you raised your eyebrows to smile a little bit when you do it. In other words, your your smile suggests this is a moment for humor, not for anger. And at the same time, you don't want to look like you're smiling like, I'm going to eat you up, right? Like a wolf contemplates a sheep or something. But look, a grin on your face with a twist of your head would be and and like, okay, well, let's talk later about that. We don't need to we don't need to get into that right now. That would be an appropriate public response that isn't forceful, but suggests that now isn't a good time because we have other people here. Let's not, you know, we disagree. That's okay to disagree. Um, they've refused. Maybe they don't understand that a refusal is different than a disagreement when we were just having a brainstorming in it decision-making process, right, where everybody's voices were on the table, but now they're taking it, a la our first example of the show, to a higher level. How about the manager hears that advice and goes, listen, Mark, I understand all that, but this person just basically disrespected me in front of all her peers. Right. I, I, I got to say, I got to do something. Otherwise, what I'm suggesting to my team is that it's, okay, yeah. that it's okay to engage in that kind of behavior with me, and I don't I don't want that. I got to lay my foot down now. Put my foot down, whatever. The logic that you just went through is so flawed that you can't even, right? It's, you know, I gotta, I have to, you know. No, you don't have to. It's what you want to do. And of course, it comes from a position of weakness. But my thinking is, first of all, 80% of the people in that room know that what this person's doing is inappropriate or ineffective or unprofessional. Right. And so you don't need to defend yourself to the other people in the room because they already know this person's wrong, okay? So you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to put them in their place. But I promise you that is seen as a weakness. In fact, you can just say, well, that's okay. Let's talk about that later. Let's not have that conversation now, Bob. Let's do that later. Yeah, that's what I love about the, that, you know, I think he called it a positively humored grin, right? Which is, yeah. which sends just a message of like, yeah, I'm, I'm bigger than this. We don't we, yeah. we don't need to fight here. I'm the boss. I'm going to win. That's okay. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, just let's talk afterwards. No problem. And by the way, if somebody may actually, it may be one of those rare one in 10,000 cases where somebody has a principled disagreement. Okay. It could happen. The request was reasonable, but not for this person in this situation. You know, we're recording this during Good Friday week in 2017. Maybe I've forgotten that tomorrow is Good Friday. Maybe I've forgotten that someone has a Seder to go to or that they have a special, I've forgotten that they're off tomorrow and the deadline is noon. Okay, now, obviously, in that case, if the, if the person believed it's reasonable, they would simply say, hey, boss, have you forgotten I'm, I'm off tomorrow? And I would snap my head and say, slap my head and say, no, I'm so sorry. Okay, I need a volunteer, somebody who can pick up because Bob's going to be out tomorrow. On the other hand, there are immature directs who would say, I'm not doing that. And their definition of reasonable is not what the boss would think is reasonable. Their definition of reasonable is whatever they decide it is in this situation. And to them, they're so thinking about their family and the 
the in this particular case that I mentioned, a religious service or so on, that it is by definition unreasonable. And we have a disagreement because there is not an equivalence of knowledge. Um, there is um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's um, right on the tip of my tongue. Um, there is um, uneven knowledge between the two of us. And if a direct simply refuses, you know, it would be nothing. I say, well, okay, why? <laughs> what? Well, you've forgotten I'm out tomorrow. Uh, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. It was a reasonable request if anybody on the team, but you. <laughs> and so I'll pick someone else. It's totally fine. And then later, I would give that person private feedback that their method of reviewing was unprofessional. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. With easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manager Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did.